Hello and welcome to this Idaho Reports podcast extra for January 28th. I'm Melissa Davlin. On Friday, President Cynthia Pemberton of Lewis Clark State College and President Gordon Jones of College of Western Idaho joined me to discuss the unique challenges facing higher education two years into the pandemic. We featured a portion of our conversation on Friday's broadcast. Here's our full discussion. Thank you both so much for joining me today. President Pemberton, I wanna start with you. How would you describe the current state of higher education in Idaho? Well, let me answer that question by taking us on a near-term journey. When I was hired, it was July 2018, so not that far away. And we rolled from that early start into budget cuts. There were a series of holdbacks and budget cuts that were imposed across higher education. And from there, we rolled into a pandemic. And now we're in year two of a pandemic. And we're also in a scenario where not only do we have pretty extreme financial pressures, but also a crazy job market with salaries that are escalating by the day across, across different job markets and positions and work groups. So what's the state of higher education? It's one that I characterized this week in some conversations in the legislature as navigating the perfect storm. Would you agree, President Jones, is this a perfect storm? And if so, how do you navigate it? Well, I I would agree with Cynthia. I do think that this has really got a lot of dynamics at work in the state of both higher ed nationally and here in Idaho. But um, I'm coming from Boise State. I'm 15 days on the job at CWI. I think that we both face the same issue is, is how do we make sure that the value of our institutions stays above all those things? Because we believe there is a, a durable, ever-present value that we can offer Idahoans, specifically around public education, which to me is the idea of the promise of economic and social mobility. And the ability that where I am today is not limited by where I am today. And these institutions are here for you. And I think whether that be with a pandemic is creating pressure and turbulence, I think um, our legislative community hopefully carries that message to them. And I think we've all worked, tried to work hard to make sure that we both acknowledge where we are, a lot of challenges for folks, but we are actually here for you, not here trying to compete in any way or somehow um, losing our relevance. One of the specific challenges that I heard from multiple institutions, whether it was Idaho State University or Lewis and Clark State College, was staff retention. Uh, And and you in particular highlighted a lot of specific challenges that are unique to border communities like Lewiston. That's exactly right. In the state of Washington, the minimum wage is almost $14.50 an hour. I'm excited about and struggling to pay custodians $12.50 an hour. That's a problem. Our uh, classified staff retention rate, most recent data show it's a 29% loss. Uh, we are, our, our attrition rate in professional staff is 20% loss. Our faculty is 10% loss. Right now, it's, it's hard to have people that want to stay working in higher education in a border community when they can go right across the river and have a very different economic outlook uh, and, and basically stay in their hometown. And so that does make it, it compounds the situation. It, it doesn't make it impossible, but it certainly compounds it. 
Does the Treasure Valley face those same staff retention issues? I think we do. I mean, obviously, we're not a border community, but I think the issue of public servants, while we are all mission-driven, we're here for Idahoans. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, the real testament is these are talented. We are these are talented public servants, and their their value is seen by others and often private employers as well. And so, what I see is. Um, a lot of talent that if that gap between their desire to serve Idahoans, but economically it becomes such a stretch, that's where I think that challenge is. And I certainly, um, we're all wrestling with how we can maintain parity, even if it's not the exact same parity where the mission plus that compensation can allow people to feel good about getting out of bed every day and coming to work. Well, and I think to, to build on that, Gordon, <coughs> People love living in Idaho. Idaho is, is truly a gem in the nation. And now what we know, because of the ways that folks have been able to leverage technology and remote work during the pandemic, well, they can stay in their Lewiston community and they can be working for Google and they can be working other places. And that is, uh, th that's an added pressure to, to make sure that we are an attractive employment option so that individuals have the work they love in the place they want to live. Is that salary and, and pay issue something that you can solve without the legislature? I think it takes all solutions possible. And so I would include our legislature and the, the representatives of our towns solving town and local issues. I mean, the, where we come together, obviously, is one state. But I think that, that recognition of the investment in the people who live in our towns, who are serving our citizens, I think it is certainly um, a component and actually a pretty important one. I mean, it's important. We believe in solving problems locally in this state, and I think a reflection of our legislature is where we want to put those priorities. That's my quick and dirty answer. We certainly will look other places, but we want to start with the places that are, are um, funding the public work that we do as public servants. Exactly. I mean, I, the re answer is both and. Of course, we need legislation legislative contributions to helping us move forward. We are public education. And, and that is a very different ecosystem than a private school environment. So, so yes, there's a role for the legislature. We need them involved. We need their help. We need their support. And through that support, what happens is we're able to continue to maintain our Idaho public education space as, as overall the sixth lowest tuition in the United States. In Idaho, higher ed is accessible and it's incredibly affordable, as well as hopefully as folks have been able to recognize over the course of this last week with the different higher education presidents presenting, it's also accomplished. Accessible, affordable, and accomplished. And with legislative support, we're able to maintain that space and that better serves Idaho. That serves our citizens. Are the outcomes where you want to be when it comes to student retention and graduation rates? That is a great question and it is a nuanced answer to that question. Because I get that a lot. At, at LC State, we have an overall retention rate of just over 60% from uh, year one to year two with student population. That's pretty good. About a third of our population are non-traditional uh, part-time students. So those individuals are working, they have families, 
They have households that they're responsible for, their lives are complicated, and their lives are busy. And they're not gonna finish in four years. If it takes them four, six, eight, if it takes them 12 years, I'm excited that they complete their journey and celebrate with them on that endpoint journey. Um, but in terms of graduation rate, the, the traditional metrics of graduation, it's about 38% at LC State. That is not great. But here's something we did, because I knew that question was gonna come up in the legislature. When you look at the four-year traditional student, 18 to 22, 23-year-old, so we took our cohort of student athletes. We said, okay, they're going to school full-time. They have to maintain a certain amount of credits and a certain GPA to stay eligible for athletics. So they're kind of the traditional student. Their retention rate from year one to year two is over 90%. And their graduation rate within the traditional time frames is over is 61%. And their average GPA is 3.29%, almost 3.3%. So when you think about the students we serve across a complex and diverse demographic, it's not surprising that our graduation rate by the traditional metrics is not as exciting as I'd like it to be. But if you look at the traditional student that's being served by this institution, well, we're doing a great job. What's the picture like at CWI? Well, I think, it's a, I think Cynthia has an excellent answer, and frankly, I would rest a lot of my answer on that. I would just say we're designing around student outcomes. And a lot of, you hear this word traditional metrics, traditional mm -hmm. students, not all listeners and viewers may know what that is. Those traditional metrics are often four-year, for the four-year institution, or graduation in six years. Mm -hmm. We all know that life is moving in a very interesting direction where we have chapters, there may be moments you're coming back to school in and out. And so what I think, Cynthia, if I can even yeah. piggyback is, we're all recognizing inside higher ed that some of those metrics aren't helpful for exactly. communicating the value that's being delivered. So for example, in the community colleges, we're taking all students. That's something we're proud of and by design, designed to do. Not all students have yet even formulated a goal. They know they should go, they're not sure, they're putting in a little bit of that trust. There may be instances where somebody comes in and gets a 12 credit hour certificate. Maybe it's in QuickBooks. Now you can do bookkeeping and you maybe earn a little more and that has you come back to us. That's not captured in traditional metrics, exactly. but we know we're serving people in a better way. But for that traditional person, we have, we have absolutely room to improve, but we're doing a good job if you can broaden the aperture and see what, what truly retention and success looks like. And you've both mentioned exactly unique life circumstances that are, are really compounded by the pandemic right now and also by this exploding job market that you mentioned. Let's talk about how that affects career technical education and, and students' interest in investing the time in getting these certificates when there are jobs available that don't necessarily require that level of education. What are you seeing? Well, I know at CWI, we have, um, I think both of us have robust career and technical education. And um, I would say that when I look at what we do, I first start with who we have. We have over 1,400 students going through plumbing, electric, electrical apprenticeships. Um, that demand is very high. The income associated with successful completion is very high. So in some ways, I actually turn the question around and say, we are communicating and want to invite any and all on behalf of Idahoans 
students who are interested to join in that. We have 94% successful placement and that has great wages associated with it. There are instances where individuals may find work that um, currently has them deciding not to do that. But I would just say this, some of that work involves maybe good pay, you're 18, maybe it's physical labor oriented, but the moment you get that sore shoulder at 26 or a knee goes out, um, to the extent possible, think about that future. We're here for you either way. We have very strong enrollment. Uh, I think about our health services too, RNs and nurses and from medical assistance to RNs in our case. Um, we have wait lists. We do need to increase capacity. Um, on the, specifically the health sciences, we have uh, the governor's recommended uh, $10 million to help us towards a $23 million building. It's gonna expand that capacity. Um, so we're trying to meet needs. There's a lot of opportunity, but some people are attracted in this, in this market to immediate premium earnings, but long-term career earnings, we think can come through this CTE pathway for many Idahoans and the need is there and it will continue to be. I would say just like you did in the previous, ditto, ditto, ditto. But let me add another piece. And this is one of the things that really builds on what you've just said, Gordon. Right now, at LC State, career technical enrollment is down. And it's largely because those people are out in the job market. They are, they are diesel and they are welding and they are auto mechanics and they are collision repair and they are medical assistant technology. They are, they are out getting jobs and they're high paying jobs. But here's the message. Not only are we working with business and industry to try to say, okay, let us help with on-site learning for you so you can employ the individual while we're also helping them advance forward in their career. But the other piece of that puzzle is this, and we have a wonderful example, a young man by the name of Harris Lackey. And what Harris did, Harris was a diesel student at LC State my first year here. And Harris was finishing his, his degree in diesel. He came from a small rural farm, and he loved working on equipment, farm equipment, and he said, I want to be a diesel mechanic. But he also, he also dovetailed that or partnered that program with a business degree because what Harris told me as he said President Pemberton right now I love doing the work and I'm I love working in diesel but at some point I want to not just do the work I want to own the work I want to own the business that has the diesel mechanics and so he was able to think about that long-term vision that you just spoke about so well that notion of yes we can meet needs today but also let's be thinking about what's today and what happens tomorrow and the next day and the next year and 10 years from now? And how do we package education in ways that serves people along that entire continuum of life growth, exploration, evolution, and change? So it sounds like Harris and other students have that figured out. You know, you think about today, but also think about what you're going to need in 15 years. What is LCSC doing to anticipate what Idaho is going to need, what Idaho's economy is going to need in 10 or 15 years? I'm going to give a philosophical answer to that question. And the answer to that question is that we are, like our sister institutions, providing and serving Idaho citizens with a high quality education experience and outcome that allows them to be able to learn, to grow, to change, and to evolve. Whatever major they're getting, whatever degree program they're in, whatever certificate they're pursuing, that's sort of the vehicle that is motivating them right now. What's really relevant is we look to the future. 
when we look to the future, it's how can people continue to lead, grow, change, succeed? How can they be lifelong learners? They have to learn because whatever it is we know how to do today, going to be irrelevant in six months or, or six years, going to be irrelevant. The world is changing exponentially fast. So while certainly there are, we could talk about how the technologies that we've been able to bring to our campuses, largely because of some of the relief funds, will, will help facilitate that access, that exploration. But the reality is we need to have people know how and be motivated to learn, grow, and change. Yeah, I mean, I, I think my answer on this is I would sort of um, share with viewers, we're very focused on what are the trends that are affecting, mm -hmm. um, first of all, our, our industry, higher ed. We know globalization is coming to Idaho in a much bigger way. And the question is, how do we equip this state to have its rudder in the sea rather than have others pick where we sit uh, in the ocean, so to speak? And I think that's a value of this state is we want to kind of most people want to have agency over their, their, their life, and I think at a macro level as a state, we know the rise of alternative certifications that employers need. It's not, the coin of the realm is not only BAs or BSs, it's gonna take on a lot of multitude of different things. We know that the pressure on cost, and I think we've heard both from Cynthia and myself that Idaho's fairly well positioned there when we think about, we're $3,360 for a credit, for a full-time student, that value is fairly unassailable from a price standpoint. So it's very accessible when you look at a lot of other out-of-state alternatives. Um, but I would say this, wherever the specific jobs are, you have two and other institutions that are 100% dedicated to affordable, accessible education that translates to employment. That is the tool in the toolbox that we represent for Idaho. And that will be fully relevant 10 years from now, and for that matter, 50 years from now. One of your asks of the legislature that you mentioned is ten thousand dollars, or sorry, ten million dollars. If only <laughs> were ten thousand, right, right, it's 10 right. Million. Yeah, you, you said you were affordable. <laughs> ten million dollars for a health sciences building, uh, you know, and there are other asks too from all of the institutions. How is your relationship with the legislature? Is it better than it was last year? Well, I am new this year, and so I get the benefit of saying um, uh, that I have not. Um, there's no history to work with from there for me personally. I would just say the short answer is we live in a lot of stakeholder. We have a lot of folks who weigh in and speak to, but our legislature is critical. Uh, I view them very favorably. I think we all do. We view them as partners. Um, partners from the standpoint of giving us the voice of what they see in their local communities. And that has a lot of heterogeneity in it. But within that is, is funding and backing public education and we are a large k-20 is the largest expenditure in our state budget and so clearly our state cares it's just about marrying some of that multitude of voices and trying to find the common ground that allows us to move forward to equip idahoans but i would say um, absolutely i have a very favorable bias to wanting to work with all stakeholders and the legislature is certainly right there my answer to that would be twofold one yes it is, it is a better, uh, more positive, proactive tone and interaction uh, than I sensed a year ago. And one of the ways that I want to capture that sentiment is I was asked a question after testifying in one of the House, uh, I believe it was the House Education Committee. And the question was, was President Pemberton, what, what can we do to help? That's a powerful question 
from the individuals of that committee so appreciated. And my answer to them was basically help us promote this narrative that education is a positive, life-altering value add. Whether it's certificate through two years, through four years, through graduate, PhD, it is a value add that improves individuals' economic prosperity and potential and their quality of life across all metrics. Help us sing that from the mountaintops. Right, President Cynthia Pemberton, Lewis Clark State College, and President Gordon Jones, College of Western Idaho, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank, thank you. you. Presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho. By the Friends of Idaho Public Television, and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Hi, I'm Marcia Franklin, the producer and host of Dialogue. For more than 25 years, we've been bringing you conversations that matter. More than 150 of those conversations are with writers, and now you can take them with you wherever you go, while you're walking, around the house, or in the car. Just search for Dialogue with Marcia Franklin on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms, and remember to subscribe so that new shows download automatically. Enjoy.